Welcome back to Bible study, to the book of Nahum, chapter 1. Welcome back, John. Welcome, Thank you. Derek. Thank you. In chapter 1, we got to, well, verse 7, we're going to start with today. John, are you okay reading it? Yes, I'll read it. Um, 7 to uh, 15, and then I'll pray. Thank you. Right. Nahum chapter 1, starting at verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. While tangled like thorns and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubble fully dried. From you comes forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counsellor. Thus says the Lord, Though they are safe and likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down. When he passes through, though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. The Lord has given a command concerning you. Your name shall be perpetuated no longer. Out of the house of your gods I will cut off the carved image and the moulded image. I will dig your grave, for you are vile. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, keep your appointed feasts. Perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is <coughs> utterly cut off. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we... Reflect on these uh, scriptures. We're mindful of your goodness to us. We, we yearn for your righteousness to be returned to our land. We, we say with the psalmist, oh, oh, that you would slay the wicked. And yet, Lord, we, in the same psalm, we, we read, Search me, O God, know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I pray, Lord, for all of us uh, here in the studio, those who are watching, that we, w when we hear of your righteous judgments, we will be convicted of areas in our life which is wrong, which are wrong, and that we would confess them to you and, and repent so that we would uh, know your salvation and be a testimony for good in these days. Amen. 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 Here we are. We, we sort of started with verse <coughs> 7, but verse 8, as it were, uh, is another one of these sort of pivotal verses that, that then leads us into uh, an understanding. We have the Lord is good, a stronghold, but... This, mm. There is, it doesn't, Lord's goodness, justice, his righteousness, um, doesn't negate, as it were, that, that, that the, the judgments that have been pronounced will be carried out. Mm. Verse 8, Dr. Well, Walker. Well, it's... Or um, Walker, I should What's say. interesting is that throughout the prophecy, there are details of, because he actually saw the judgment happen in a vision. Mm. And, um, and all these details are confirmed, that, you know, they actually happened. And um, just to 
for instance, um, the actual siege, I think, against Nineveh lasted three years in a sense, you know, when the attack began three years. And uh, actually, the one thing that was predicted is in chapter 3, verse 12, just mention it quickly. He says, all your strongholds are fig trees with ripened figs. If they're shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. And this is a picture of, you know, just when, when, when they're ripe, you just shake the tree and they just fall off so easily. Mm. And that's what happened when the Medes, uh, in conjunction with the Babylonians, invaded, you know, the other cities fell quite quickly and quite easily. They, you know, the Assyrian Empire was, was, was becoming relatively weak by this point. However, they couldn't take Nineveh. Nineveh, the walls, you know, they're just, they're just massive, like 100-foot walls, you know, they, they, they seemed impregnable. And, and one thing that the historian, a couple of historians will, you know, talk about is the fact that because they felt so safe within the walls, the king and a lot of the people were drunk, you know, they, they knew that, that they were safe under those walls. Now, they couldn't so possibly exactly penetrate like the walls. Belshazzar. I mean, I know you said uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, yeah. oh, it's a very, it, was very, it was a different <coughs> means of entry, but, but this sort of arrogance. Yeah, they're know. having a party, and yeah. you know, even though they must have known there was a Persian army outside, they felt safe within the walls. And, and, and they tried to, to bring down Nineveh before, and they couldn't do it. And there was apparent, the historian again says that there was this kind of myth or this some kind of ancient prophecy or something that Nineveh will only fall when the river turns against it, as it were, um, when somehow the river decides it's time. Now, they had, they had built water fortifications around it to, to control the flow of the river so, you know, the river wouldn't overflow its banks and hurt the walls. And so they built dams and they had a, they had a reservoir for this water. But just, just on the geography still, mm. you know, the, it, we're talking about the Tigris and, and, and a tributary or... or That's or right, the river uh, Corso or something yes. like that actually went right through the middle of Nineveh. Yeah. And, um, and so, of course... If, we're talking if, about the mighty river, yeah. the Tigris. So there, there's certainly plenty of supply of water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, and, it was, and they, they, they would have probably had a, like a kind of moat around it. Mm. And they had a system for managing the water so that you know, like a dam, so that if there was a lot of rain, they could control that and all that. Now, this verse here, verse 8, says, with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. So this is a prediction that one of the uh, key elements in Nineveh's destruction will be a flood. Mm. And the same thing in chapter 2, I think, um, verse 6, it says, the gates of the rivers are opened and the palace is dissolved. So the, um, what I find interesting here is that um, if, uh, you know, higher critics of the Bible were to read this, they would, they would say certainly this was written after the event, yes. John. I, I think so, they, because they, they couldn't comprehend that something could be so accurate. No, they couldn't. They couldn't and they can't. Um, yeah. That's the important thing, because without the Holy Spirit interpreting, you can't. And so they read words on a page in a quite different way to the way we read them. And it's important to remember that. Mm -hmm. They can't see what we see. Yeah. And therefore, in order to make some explanation, they, they, that's what they do. And it, the that, accuracy of this yes, is, 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 is supernatural. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
And so Nahum sees this in his vision, in his burden. And the archaeology that's going on today proves it. The archaeology, it's it, not <clears throat> prove it, it confirms it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It confirms the scriptures. Okay, so, so it talks about the river overflowing. Mm. It talks in 2.6 about the gates, something to do with the gates of the rivers are opened. Mm. So it, it, what, what happened is that there was like this reservoir and there were a great, in fact, the, there's a historian called Diodorus Siculus mm. and he says in the third year of the siege, because, you know, the, the other cities fell quite easily, but there was, it took a th third year because they couldn't break these walls, you know, and the, and the people inside were, were kind of drinking freely. Mm. That's mentioned elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then it says, in the third year, heavy rains caused the river to flood part of the city and wreak part of the walls. And Xenophon referred to a terrifying thunderstorm associated with the city's destruction. Well, we saw in chapter one earlier that the god of the storm, yeah. you know, the god who marshals the elements. And, and so this actually happened. Mm -hmm. There was there was a great storm, a heavy rains. Of course, that was held by the dam. But then, of course, the invaders said, well, okay, let's open the gates. And there was this flood of water that had been built up that went crashing through and destroyed part of the wall. Yeah. And once that main defense was broken, again, the historian described the fact that the king actually knew you know, and it kind of describes them rushing to the defences, but staggering around, but kind of half, half drunk. Was up. He knew the game was up, and apparently he, he got himself into the palace with as much of the the yeah. jewels and every yeah. um, the the gold, yeah. and all that, and all his various servants. And, and he, the palace was dissolved. Yeah. So that's another. In fact, he burnt the, he burnt himself. He burnt. Well, yes, the palace was dissolved, but in his palace, he yeah. he literally created a fire. Wow. And, you know, kind of self-destruct that way yeah. by fire. And there's, again, we'll see as we go through, um, mention of fire, mm. being, Nineveh being destroyed by fire. Mm. Even in the British Museum, there are artifacts from Nineveh that have clearly been burnt, mm. you know, the evidence of the, of the fire of Nineveh. Amazing. So we'll see mention of the flood that we've seen a couple of, um, of the fire. Mm. We'll see that shortly. Um, and 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 uh, and other elements that we'll catch as we go through. So as for to me how again, yeah. So for yeah. me again, what a privilege that we have, and not only um, have Derek here, but we have the British Museum. Mm. We have incontrovertible evidence of of the authenticity of God's word, you know, and the accuracy of the predictions. It's an incredible privilege. I know in Romans one it says God's invisible power and you know, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, so there's no excuse. But I, I find also, for those that are listening, he who has an ear, the, the, this is, there's no excuse. Mm. And, if, and especially if you're a scholar, there's no excuse, although scholars often can confuse themselves with, you know, sort of endless genealogies or, or sort of <laughs> dissecting of things that are staring them in the face. But for me, it's a great privilege. To, uh, to be here as a Christian believer in the living God who says, speaks beforehand mm. things that will happen so that you'll know he is God and there it is in these verses. Yeah. It's very exciting. It yeah. is exciting. Oh, I'm excited. No, it is. It is it's it's it really is, amazing. It's hugely exciting and it's also interesting to see how, although ultimately 
um, the armies, the invading armies went in and did for Nineveh. Uh, they couldn't have got in without an act of God to exactly. start with. Yeah. And although they were inspired to open the gates, the fact is it's the waters that took the, that took the walls. Very down. profound yeah. statement, an act of God. An act, yes. Yeah. <laughs> In this yeah. context, yes, especially. An act, act of God. And he was, again, using the force of nature, which is only, which yeah. he has created yeah. anyway, to, to, to prepare the way for mm. the soldiers to go in. Yeah. So just, you described them, oh, so the invaders opened, what is it, sluice gates? The sluice or? gates. Yeah. And, and there would have been this huge build-up of water anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it definitely talks about the, the opening of gates. Yeah. And that released a huge flood of water that had been built up. Mm. And that force of water destroyed the walls. And then... And we do uh, have that was sort of plans of point. Nineveh, don't we? You know, it, it, people can see the mm. rough layouts mm. from the archaeology and they've sort of reconstructed. Yeah. Where was the walls? Where was the palace? Where were the temples? Exactly. It's all there on the... Um, it's all there. The a tremendous force. Mm. The, the same, like, what Scythius was it? What, the name of the historian that you mentioned? Um, yes, Diodorus Siculus. That's it. Yeah. He, he also he, he writes that the, the force of water is like a great tsunami. Of course, it was a river, not the sea, <coughs> like a great tsunami. was ten furlongs long. Mm. That's two and a half miles. Mm -hmm. So it was this huge wow. wall of water which went thundering <laughs> towards yeah. the walls. Yeah. Um, enormous. I, I live beside the sea and every now and again there's a storm and it, it can wipe out concrete and you, you look at that concrete and you think mm. how on earth could, yeah. you know, I mean, water. <laughs> yeah. How on earth could water destroy rocks? Yeah. And it, it, the power and the weight and the uh, momentum or whatever it is, the impact mm. can just wipe these things out. Yeah. It's quite amazing. So another impressive thing about the prophecy is that it's... Because normally you'd expect if a city like Nineveh fell, an enemy conquers it, you know, they just rebuild it. And this, of course, is normally what happens. You know, you just rebuild the city on the last one and, and it builds up and that's how you create these tells. Yeah. But the prophecy is very clear. This will be a total annihilation of Nineveh and it will never be built again. It will be buried. Mm. And that's it. Mm. Now. To, to have a mega city like that, to predict that it will be defeated is one thing. To predict that it will never rise again is a rare event. Normally they would rebuild, yeah. but in this case that again came to pass. So just two things that I'm a little boy really. Two things that come to mind. One is the dam busters. You know that they <laughs> they destroyed these dams <coughs> and absolutely wrought devastation. Obviously many planes were lost in that. Um, and then the other one was <coughs> with the the guns of Navarone. So the second, the yes. sequel was Force 10 from Navarone, Alison yes. McLean, I think. And um, was it Mallory or someone? Um, they, could, they thought, well, we don't have enough explosives to deal with this bridge. Ah, oh, but there's a dam just up river. Why didn't you tell me there was a dam? You know, with the force of water, we can take that bridge down. Mm. And it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and we know even recently when dams collapse, whether it's in India or China, it's absolutely completely wipes out mm. everything in its path. Yes. It is quite amazing, and there we have it. And there is a, a, a double meaning in this, where we'll get to it. In chapter 2, verse 8, it talks about Nineveh of old being like a pool of water. Yep. And, and one application of that is that, you know, this flood resulted in the, this huge just pool of water mm. covering the city. And where does it, oh, it say that? Um, chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, about it covering the city. Well, yeah. it, it, it's, it's a, 
It's got a double meaning, yep. but um, it says, though Nineveh of old, no, it says was like, but that yes. was isn't in the original. Yep. So it talks about Nineveh being like a pool of water. Yep. Yep. Um, and oh, sorry, I was uh, reading chapter one, verse eight. No, sorry, in chapter, chapter two, two, verse eight, eight. exactly, yes. exactly, yeah. exactly. So this was, the, this was the decisive moment in the fall of Nineveh, yeah. was that act of God. Uh, otherwise, I don't think they, they had it in the natural. They didn't have the ability to bring, to break through the walls. Mm, mm. Amazing, amazing. So what they mean when they say Nineveh of old, are they saying before Nineveh was built? It was basically just the marshland? Or? I think Nineveh, it could be a thing that Nineveh of old means that it's an ancient city. I mean, it goes right back to yeah. soon after the flood because it's in Genesis 12. That's right. It's, it's an ancient historic city. It's mm. been standing. Mm. for thousands of years, wow. mm. uh, and, and yet it's going to become a pool of water. Mm. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, that, that's, that's quite an epic verse, eight. Sometimes you, you sort of hang on, on one verse, but <coughs> verse 9 sort of... Yeah, a little hit. Oh, yeah, sort of stay in verse 8 for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm only here to be contradicted. Because <laughs> that's why I serve my purpose here. These, these, <laughs> the Lord throws out these... Um, phrases which are hugely significant. Yep. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of his place. Mm, so, yes. so that is a d definition of uh, no ifs or buts, mm, yeah. an utter end. And what is the consequence of that? And darkness will pursue his enemies. Now, this darkness is a God-given darkness. It's, mm. it, it's like Genesis 1 verse 2. Mm. It has nothing in it. You know, it's the absence of all that gives life. Mm. Darkness. This is a spiritual darkness that is is devastating. That's a horrible thought. Well, it is. But you see, we come back to what I was saying in previous um, studies here that this is a type, and this is what the anti-type. When it, at this particular point, as it's worked out, the, the the people who are not of God, the people of the new world order. Not everybody that's employed by the new world order. We need to be quite clear. The forces and powers who are the new world order are going to face utter darkness, mm. and God is going to make an utter end of them. So it Total, should, and they will should never rise stir again. up fear in anyone, yeah. um, the yeah. thought that they will be pursued by darkness. Yeah, because they pursued darkness. Yes. 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 See, sowing right. and reaping. Because they yeah. they're enemies of God, they reject the light and they pursue darkness, yes. and the result is Darkness is now going to pursue them. Oh, it's a horrible yeah, thought. It's and, a, and a horrible one thought. thing is, all the people who died, mm. of course, they go, went yeah. immediately into darkness. spiritual darkness, into yeah. Hades. Into, mm. you know, so it's a real warning, of course, that if you, if you, if you reject God, mm. you are, this is, darkness will pursue you. There is no escape. Run as fast no as you like. That's, you that's cannot right. escape it, from that judgment. That's right. And it's really important to understand that that's not just a throwaway phrase. No, it doesn't mean really lack of light. It doesn't mean night. It yeah. means something yeah. much, much deeper. But, but, but the scripture that comes to mind is when the light within you is darkness, how great or how deep is that darkness? Yes. I mean, that's mm. real darkness. Yes. When you think you're you're sort of enlightened. Mm. It's a great, it's a great darkness. Because people th as well, they think that this life is, is the only hell. Mm. You yeah. know, they like to say that. But actually, they don't realize that they do have pleasure in this life. They do have 
a joy, a sense of happiness sometimes, you know. But that is all by the grace of God. That's the common grace of God that he gives people that light. They don't give God the credit for it. But when they actually end their life rejecting God, then it then it's darkness. It is. And this is, like you said, a total absence yeah. of any total goodness, absence. any happiness, any warmth, mm, darkness. And there is that prophecy in Isaiah, you know, um, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. You know, there's some, are there levels of darkness? Yeah. There, yeah. Are, there is, as it yeah. were. I think know, there must be. Yes. And, and, and it's, you know, we first meet this, as I say, in Genesis 1-2, and yeah. darkness covered the face mm. of the That's this darkness. Mm. And, um, but Jesus is the light of the world. Mm. Yeah. And there you have the contrast. Mm. He is the light of the world. Now, but he yes. won't shine into that darkness. Yes, that's, that's always fascinating me, because during this sort of, let's say, dispensation of grace, there is the, the, his light. There is no darkness that God's light can't penetrate. Mm. But there will come a time where there is that, you know, eternal separation yeah. from the, the God's light. That, that must be the most fearful thing. If, if, if folks who do reject God think about that, mm. that darkness will pursue them yeah. and that they will never see no the light again, that's no a escape. horrible thought. No, no escape. Yeah. Dear, no dear, escape. dear. Yeah. For me, uh, verse 9 does follow on because, you know, they, when you're in darkness... You know, or even the enemy will continue to pursue, even though he's been conquered. Yes. You know, he's been defeated at the cross. He's still at it. Yes. And then it says, even when he knows his end is, is near in uh, Revelation 12, what does he do? He still. carries on more intensely yes. against um, the Lord and, and his anointed. In, in Psalm 2, yeah. it says, mm. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. It's they conspire together. Mm. And yet... He holds them in derision. He holds them in derision, which is another sort of form of darkness. It's confusion. And I think that we have a... um, Where am I? Back in in, in Nahum. Yes, it says, why do you conspire against the Lord? I mean... Or, sorry, what do you conspire? Is that a sort of exclamation? What do you conspire against the Lord? It just seems complete folly. Yes. Considering the previous verse. Why, why conspire and, against the Lord when you, you've just... And, and this, is, this was their sin. It wasn't just their cruelty, but they had actually come against the Lord, yeah. Jehovah. Yeah. Yes. And um, this is a picture of the Antichrist again. Yes. In fact, we see this in Sennacherib, but I'm sure that they all may have been guilty of this. But the, the Antichrist is blasphemes against the Lord, doesn't he? He, he? he actually stands up against God and says, up, you know, up yours, as it were, mm-hmm. certainly with the abomination of desolation. Mm-hmm. And it, there's an interesting cross-reference here, going back to Sennacherib and, uh, Hezek- in the time of Hezekiah. In 2 Kings 18, mm-hmm. 32, yep. um, these are what the messengers were... Let's try were, and read it. Yep. 2 were, Kings... Uh, 18... Verse 32 32. to 35. Um, This is when Assyria under Sennacherib had literally destroyed all the towns of Judah. 
Judah's on the point of destruction, but Hezekiah's in faith and he's actually calling on God to deliver. Mm. But they are taunting. They're taunting Hezekiah and they're saying, do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you saying, the Lord will deliver us. So it's one thing when you just, uh, you know, attack God's people on a human level, but when you actually come against the Lord and uh, has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its hand from the hand of the king of Assyria? Mm. Don't, don't think your God can save you. Mm. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Saravaim and Hena and Eva? Indeed, have they de delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand? That the Lord, and it's Jehovah, isn't it, mm. should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. Mm. So, in other words, your God is a weak God. We're much stronger than your yeah. God. So they are actually coming against God. Yeah. And, and that was, is, such this, was their pride. Yeah, so this is the interesting thing to me because, you know, on a human level, you're thinking, oh, well, they're conspiring against this nation or that nation, but it's, the scriptures elevate it. So you yes, mentioned you. that cross-reference. If I can throw it onto a personal level, um, Psalm 51, against you, and you only have I sinned. Yes. I mean, so David isn't thinking, oh no, I, I've sinned against Uriah or you know, against Israel. Or, uh, he, he realizes in that revelation that actually, it's, it's actually against God in mm. himself, you're sinning. Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Mm. Yes. It, it's, it's, it's elevating to another level. To another level. So we have in, um, you know, in our scriptures and especially in the New Testaments, you know, it's, it's our relationship with God is the crucial thing. And, um, and the enemy is, you know, is behind it. So the real target of his attack is the Lord himself mm. through right. these dictators and tyrants. I, 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 you know, only the scriptures, it's almost something that can't be cooked up. It's, it's like there's a spiritual level within Nahum that says, you're conspiring against the Lord. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's counterintuitive. They were speaking against the Lord yeah. as well. I mean, every sin is against the Lord, yeah. but they were directly speaking against the mm. Lord. And, and, like, and the Lord is jealous for his name. Yeah. They, they are attacking his, his, mm. who he is, mm. that he's weak and, or whatever. And so this is um, one of the major triggers for the, for the judgment. And, and it's yeah, interesting, the Antichrist, you know, yes. he sets up the abomination of desolation. Mm. in the temple, in the holy temple of God. Mm. Now, the, that means the abomination that brings desolation, mm. whether it's an idol to himself or whatever, but that releases desolation. Next thing happens, the seventh trumpet, and God's desolation judgments are poured out. Mm. So the Antichrist and, and the Assyrians, like Sennacherib, are a type of the Antichrist. Micah 5 actually talks about the Antichrist as the Assyrian. And, you know, it's, it's up yours, God. I'm going to take over your temple. I'm going to desecrate it. I'm going to declare myself God in the as God in the temple, above your God. And if you like, just confront God himself. And that is what releases the judgments of God in, in the uh, great tribulation. So it's much more, John, you know, when, when we talk about a worldwide conspiracy, you know, sometimes we think, oh, it's against us. But ultimately, these conspiracies are godless, mm. but also they are anti-God. They are. They are anti-Christ. They are, yeah. Um, if they are, well, you could say that Babel was, was an anti-Christ 
anti-God conspiracy. It yes. was, we will reach to the heavens by our own strength. Mm. Yes. And all the rest are, are sort of, um, as it were, prefigured by Babel. Yes. All of these worldwide conspiracies. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And, 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 we, we, and the Bible tells us, you know, that, that, that they hate God and they are uh, empty with God. And that, so that's, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the position of fallen degenerate man. And it's only once one is regenerated that the view changes. Now, we know that not all people, any more than all people in, in, in Nineveh, they weren't all wicked. Some of them were just getting on with their lives, feeding their children and just getting on with life on a day-to-day -day basis. But they are part of a wicked system. And, you know, an antichrist by himself, he, he can't do much. He, he heads up an utterly wicked, powerful system which a bit like the Roman army can trample the earth before it mm. and it has no regard for people has no the things that we say isn't that awful to, the, to it 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 isn't awful they have no their consciences are seared they have no concept of godly behavior and that's because they're children of the devil and it's been like that since the fall yeah. but God in his grace has you know he has people that he pulls out of it by grace yeah, and, well and, and, and you know we just have to wonder at that because none of us deserve it and here we are um, able to talk about these things but this is just the, the onward march of what started mm. outside the Garden of Eden mm. with, with firstly with, uh, with Cain mm. and onwards from there. Yeah. So verse 11 is the same. Okay could I just ask yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, could, just, just pop in what does affliction will not rise up a second time verse 9 mean? What does he mean by a second time? Complete and utter defeat. And in Nineveh this is the case because mm. it's still a pile of, really, it's still just yes, sand, in the, sand in the So desert. in other words, the affliction of the Assyrians toward others will not well, rise up a second time. And I think time. particularly the, the context it. is Got the it. Lord Jehovah. Yeah. Let's talk about Israel, I think. Yes. Israel had been afflicted right. under Sennacherib <clears throat> and almost destroyed. Yeah. But he says it won't happen again. Yes. Mm -hmm. they, they, the Assyrian threat will be finished. Um, there'll be no second time. But it's talking about their conspiracy. Inspired by Satan, there was, must have been an anti-Semitic thing, mm -hmm. a desire to destroy Israel. Yeah. And, and God is saying, that's the conspiracy against the Lord, to actually finish Israel off. And God says, right, I'm going to utterly f f bring an end to you. And that's not going to happen again. Israel will not be threatened again. That's very good. Yeah. I mean, that, that's another part of the Lord's grace, you know, and comfort, mm. isn't it? Just there in, in that verse. Yes. I mean, there are those who, I mean, other, other than Assyria, who have afflicted yeah. um, the Jewish people since then. Um, but there are, as it were, statements in the prophets which say, you know, Jerusalem would be rebuilt, never again to be uprooted, or, you know, things yes. like that. So when that's... That's something that is really challenging Satan. Mm. You know, he, 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 if he can destroy Jerusalem, mm. he, God's word and God's promises are completely evaporate. Mm. So, so here again, if, if Assyria could rise up again, what's the, what value is there in the prophecy of Nahum? Yeah, so it's a prophecy to Assyria. Yep. That's, your time is up. That's it. And, and verse 11 yeah, confirms it. From yeah. you, from Assyria, comes forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counsellor. Isn't that it? So uh, that is the...
prophecy of the Antichrist or not? Well, well, it, well it is. The, the one is in italics, which might lead one to suggest that it's been put in by the translators, which is not strictly true. The translators have translated a word which is untranslatable. Yeah. And so they've, they've, they've used one. Now, Matthew Poole, people may or may not heard of Matthew Poole. Yeah. I've got the Matthew Poole commentaries because he said that Charles Spurgeon said it's all you need. <laughs> Poole, you don't need anything else. And I find Matthew Poole, yeah. I'm not saying he's right in everything I, I've you got, I've got his books. Yeah, and, and I just wrote down what he said. He said one, in inverted commas, the Hebrew word implies an uncertain number. Several are contained in such a one. Mm. In context, this is me now, it, was, it, it, it probably was one, Sennacherib or Rub, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> that, that was Rabashanko. Yeah, that's it, that's it was, the one. It was Sennacherib's messenger. But, but also, it's not in terms of just the one. Sennacherib was also, part of him was his, his, his counsellors and his advisors and all these people, his generals, they're all part of him. Mm. So what it's saying is it, it, there might be a figurehead, but actually it's much more than the figurehead, it's a whole system. Mm. Mm. Very good. And you can draw that from the Hebrew word, but it, you can't translate that Hebrew word no. except by writing an essay. Mm. I find that interesting. Yeah, so this reminds me of another discussion we've had, you know, from Revelation 13 about the, the beast, mm. you know, and the different heads, as it were. Yeah. That's, it's one, it's one, as it were, but yeah. yet you've got, you've got all seven. beast with seven heads. Yes. Which just, are the just, seven. Just, you know, this is Revelation <laughs> TV, and I'm sure the viewers are, will be very happy for Derek just to describe... Um, Oh, an interpretation yeah, so we, we of think, those seven yeah, heads. Sure, because we think of all the different <laughs> empires as separate empires. But this beast with seven heads kind of is the big picture yes. of, of actually these seven empires actually forming one. In a sense, it's controlled by, because it talks about Satan also being a beast with seven heads. So yes. the, the dragon with seven heads. So it's controlled by Satan ultimately. And he's the, it's it's all part of this conspiracy, if you like, to to come against God. Mm. God is going to take over this earth. The Son of David, the Messiah, is going to rule and reign on earth. So Satan is marshalling his forces to stop that happen, to create this one world system that will keep God out of it. Mm. And part of that is destroying Israel. And this is the conspiracy against the Lord. So the first head was is Egypt, the Pharaoh who wanted to commit genocide on Israel, uh, but God obviously delivered them. Then Assyria, mm. and to the degree that they allowed themselves coming under the spirit of Satan, they, they became anti-Semitic mm. and tried to destroy Israel. And then the next, the third head is Babylon, the fourth head was Persia, the fifth head um, is... Um, Greece. Help. Greece. Greece. And then the sixth head is Rome. Yeah. And then the seventh head is the last remaining head, yeah. as it were, yet to come, or in, in formation now, as it were, the, the head that Antichrist will ultimately take over. Yeah. Uh, and so that's an overview. Got it. And so we're coming up to the last head, as it were. As John was saying, it's one. <laughs> It's, it's, it's all part of one. It's yeah. one system. One so system. the Nahum prophecy could also be seen as a, not just a, a prophecy on Assyria, that particular head, but That's actually right. it's on the fit. whole, absolutely, yeah. The, this whole thing is is this conspiracy against the Lord and God's plan for the earth. Yes, yeah. that's right. And and so the judgment 
is also going to be fulfilled yes. on the seventh head too. I'm just, uh, my brain's gone blank, but about the, the, God, of, uh, the God of this age, or Satan um, energizing those who are disobedient. It's in one of Paul's letters. Mm -hmm. so, Ephesians know, people, 2. Ephesians. Ah, so I had one. Ephesians open and I was looking, where Ephesians is it? Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. That's it. Um, so the ruler, if I may read it, I, I will um, avoid reading it in, in my new international version. If you've got it, John, you can read it. It's What's it, Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Yeah, sorry. Right. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Mm -hmm. There you among are. Among whom also we once conducted. Yeah. So that there's another version that says energizes, you know, yes. the energy for all disobedience, for yes. all conspiracies against God and his anointed one yeah. is Satan. Yes, so he was thrown down. God allows it. This That's is why, this is why you know, as we were saying, this is, this is spiritual. Yeah. It's being manifest in the physical realm, but it's entirely spiritual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the and God, God will make a final end of it yes. at, the, yeah. at the second coming of Christ. Yeah. That, well, that will be it. I, I remember being at a conference. It was called Keswick in Wales and, and with Lance Lambert again and uh, many, many years ago. And he was asked about the Nazis, whether it was human or whether it was demonic. Mm. And he quoted this verse. Mm. You know, it's satanic. He's energizing yes. things that are, are really, really evil. Mm. And it is dangerous. Actually, I, I do think it's dangerous to ignore this Satan, you know, and to try and hum, humanize what's happening. Mm. So there's a human solution because it's a human problem, but there is a spiritual problem and there needs to be a spiritual solution. Yeah. In our day, as, mm. as it was during the days of the Nazis, yeah. I won't go into the parallels of that in our day, uh, but, but there is, there is a, a, a coercion for people to conform to ideologies today, which um, uh, is paralleled in the, in the times of the Nazis. Every, everyone literally has to stand up and salute. <laughs> You're not allowed to have a, a contrary yeah. view nowadays. No. It's the <laughs> of I've got a, a, there's yeah. a, a note in my Bible here, which against wicked, <clears throat> in verse 11, a wicked counsellor. Yeah. It says, a counsellor of Belial. So there you are. Mm. It, it's direct reference to Satan. That's what the Hebrew says. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Very, very good. Literally, counsellor of Belial. So that's where they're getting their, yeah. their, their, their <laughs> wisdom and plans. They, they plot evil against the Lord. They, yeah. they take crafty counsel against the Lord and his anointed one. It's the same as Psalm 2. Yes. Okay, we, have we reached um, verse 12, or have Just we not? Just a quick reference to verse 10. Yes, the, um, it's interesting, this is where it referenced that they're, they're, they're drunk. Yes. Uh, it's, is, that is an image of judgment too, because God talks about causing people to be drunk. Mm. Um, they drink the wine of, of, of judgment, and, the, and as a result, they stop thinking. They're not thinking properly. Yes. And, and literally this happened. They were so confident in their walls that, you know, they were, they were drunk. They were, and and they, then you get tangled up like thorns. You know, when you're confused in your thinking, you're not responding right, you're not making the right decisions. It's like you're tangled up in thorns. You're, yeah. you're not able to do anything right or purposeful. But, and that's part of the judgment that came on them. And as a result, they, they shall be devoured like stubble. Fully dried. That's the fire imagery. Yeah. 
Yes. And, and what happened, as, as we said, that the king just realized it was all up. He took all his people together into the palace, burnt the palace to the ground. They just died like stubble as it were, amazing. in their drunkenness, in a, in a it sense. It is amazing. Powerful imagery. And again, you come Powerful back to the feast of Belshazzar, where they were all drinking too much, and in their drunkenness, the king says, bring forward the vessels, you know. Yeah. And that's just a temple. step, that's a step too far. Yeah. Yes. yes, it was. A step too far. And again, the warning is there on the wall, yes. and he just carries on in his drunken yes. stupor, so he yes. can't decipher yeah. something that's clearly telling him, you know, repent. Yes. And he carries on with the party. Yeah, it's very, very dramatic, and it's there, there in history. I mean, the scripture says that the wicked are not so. They will be like chaff. Yes. That the wind blows away. They, they, they will be like stubble. And I, I read last week um, from Jeremiah 17. They are, they are just like, you know, chaff, stubble in the desert. Just mm. completely Psalm valueless. One. Psalm 1, isn't it? Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 one. stand Did together. I say Psalm 1? No, you, but you, you didn't, but it's mentioned elsewhere. But yeah. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, they just Quite stand amazing. together. Quite amazing. And they're talking and just in the them. desert. So they've basically got nothing to offer compared to a tree that gives fruit in its yeah. season, that, that nourishes, you know, and blesses. It's just couldn't be a more stark contrast. Yeah. The chaff imagery is very strong because there, there is, the substance of our life is the presence of God in us. Mm. You know, there is no goodness in us mm. without the presence of God, without the Spirit of God, without the Word of God. That is our substance. But chaff, which of course is a picture of an unbeliever, has no substance. It's just this flimsy little thing. There's, no, there's nothing to it. Yeah. And so it just gets blown away by the wind. And, and that is sadly an unbeliever who has rejected all that is good mm. and, and substantial and valuable, yeah. which is God and God's love. Yeah, the other, the, the revelation of God to Moses, of himself, not only of God himself, but Moses of who he was, is there at the burning bush. Again, the bush is just a worthless, tangled, you know, bunch yes. of thorns, and then the fire mm. can come within. Yes. So without the fire, Mm. Yeah, we're, just, we're just a dried up old bush, we've got <laughs> nothing to offer anyone. No. Quite yeah. amazing. And that was where God said, I am. You know, yeah. who are you, Moses? Yes. Where you're just a burnt up bush. Yeah. Yes. Without my fire within. Yes. Kindle the flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. There let it for thy glory burn with inextinguishable blaze. Wonderful and trembling to mm. its source return. Praise God. Mm. Praise the Lord. You're good at the poetry. Well, that is, that's, that's a hymn. And that yeah. um, was written, or, or is it? No, Jesus confirmed my heart's desire. Mm. Jesus confirmed my heart's desire. And, yeah, we, I, I don't know how good I am at the poetry, but every now and again it flashes well, into my mind. <laughs> yeah, it flashes into my mind. Yeah. Flashes upon that inward eye that is the bliss of solitude. <laughs> No, that's um, Wordsworth. <laughs> it's not a scripture. Very good. Uh, Something interesting in verse 12. Yes, just to By the way, I hold myself back on poetry because when we were talking about <laughs> darkness, then, you know, how does thy shade shine so? How would, how would I say thy, thy, uh, mine eye be blessed with made by looking on thee in the living day when in dead night thy fair imperfect shade through heavy sleep on sightless eyes hath stayed all days are nights to see till i see thee and the nights bright days when dreams do show thee me in other words um it was shakespeare talking about the different degrees of 
of darkness and light. It's quite amazing. Yes. Mm. Mm. I do. So I, I, I just have to assure people I'm holding myself back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually just throwing out one quote after another. Sorry, I interrupted you. Well, it's, verse 12 is powerful as well because uh, we saw the divine warrior in chapter 1. And, and we see him again here now. Um, Thus says the Lord, though they are safe and likewise many, this is Nineveh, they're, they're powerful. Mm. Nevertheless, in this manner, as he said, as we've been talking about, I have afflicted, uh, sorry, they will be cut down when he passes through. Mm. I think that's talking about the Lord. Mm. Yes, the judge, the warrior. Mm. However strong they might seem, however, you know, impregnable they might seem, mm when he passes through in judgment, mm. that's the end of it, you know. Yeah. And so there's this kind of irresistible divine warrior mm. that, that once he decides to move mm. um, in judgment, mm. there, there is no, no answer and to it. And then for now, yeah. I'll break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. <laughs> Let's talk about Israel. In yes. other words, they will no yes. longer be, suffer under the Assyrian yoke. Yeah. Uh, they will be, that's the consolation, Nahum, yeah, consolation, comfort, that the, your enemy, God is going to war against your mm. enemy and he is going to break you, set you free. And of course, with the Antichrist, the ultimate enemy of Israel, mm. Christ himself will return. He's going to pass through, pass through the land and he's going to destroy all the armies of the Antichrist and Israel will be once and for all, you know, free from the yoke of the enemy. Mm. Quite a, and again, we see the similarity with, with Goshen and the Passover. You see you know, how the angel of death passed yes. over. And the only thing that held it back was the blood of the Lamb. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the only thing that holds judgment mm. back, mm. blood of the Lamb. Mm. It's quite something, isn't it? It is quite Our something. Our robes are washed yes. white. Yes. Yeah. We're purged. We're cleansed. We're yes. Quite, quite amazing. Um, yeah, uh, I can see that we're, we're on verse 14 according to my, my reckoning. Mm. And then the Lord has given a command concerning you, your name shall be perpetuated no longer. That's This is saying really to the king of that time. It's devastating for someone king. who makes such a big thing about his name. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and it literally means that he'll have no children. He'd, in other words, he'll, that's the end of his dynasty. That he'll have no offspring that will be kings mm. of Assyria. Mm. That, that's, that's the end. Because mm. your name is perpetuated, particularly through your children. Yeah. So, um, in other words, it's the end of that dynasty. And in fact, it's the end of any Assyrian dynasty for that matter. Um, and the destruction of, of their gods that they trusted in. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think they found a headless statue of Ishtar in Nineveh. You know, so again, all the idols cut off. Wow. Uh, wow. All, the, all the gods that they trusted in were destroyed and carried off. Now you read, because we sometimes have a chance to, to sort of chat beforehand, you, you read <coughs> a sort of litany of, of triumphs and boastings. Was that, were we going to read this? Ah, this, um, just to get an idea just of their... Just to get an uh, idea of how the egomaniacs <laughs> who were out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, this is Ashurbanipal, but they all had similar ways of yeah. describing themselves. Yeah. Um, 
think I've got it here. Yeah. Oh, yes, this is on one of his cylinders, for instance. Yeah. He says, I am Ashurbanipal, the great king, the mighty king, king of the universe, king of Assyria, king of the four regions of the world, offspring of the loins of Ezzahadun, king of the universe, king of Assyria, viceroy of Babylon, king of Sumer and Akkad, grandson of Sennacherib, king of the universe, king of Assyria and so forth. Yeah. So you get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can hear the voice and the Lord, through that, can't the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. Laughs. It's pathetic, isn't it? But it's this aspiration to be the world ruler. Yes, exactly. Under, under Satan, to control the whole world. Yeah. I, I, do, I do remember a, um, a film called The Empress Club. It's not well known, but um, it's, it's a boarding school in, in America where they're all learning about, you know, the birth of civilizations. And, and above the door, there's this plaque to someone called Shutrak um, Nahunta, you know, and it's a similar litany. I am the great <laughs> Shutrak Nahunta. Have you heard of him? <laughs> King of Elam. And, um, and Mr. Hundert, who's, who's the master of classics, says um, this, you know, he did nothing. <laughs> he did nothing for posterity. He did nothing civilization and all of these boastings came to nothing mm. and then and then he opens his class and says welcome to you know the, this the opening class on western civilization <laughs> um, and i think that many of the it reminds me of ozymandias while we're in poetry you know look on my works you mighty the the um um, and despair, and nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. In other words, all of your pomp and hubris is n dust, mm. yeah. it's yeah. chaff. And yet, in, the, uh, in his day, he, people feared. The, these, these wicked tyrants yeah. were, were, you know, really... You can't judge by the sight of the eyes, because if you looked at Assyria, you'd think that's going to last forever. Yeah. You look at little Israel, yeah. it would disappear out of existence yeah. at any time. Yeah. And yet Assyria has mm. disappeared completely. In fact, it, it says it's buried, I will dig your grave for you are vile. Yeah. In other words, I'm going to bury you and that you, you're over now. Mm. And literally Nineveh was buried under the dust and people That's forgot. That's verse 14, isn't That's it? Yeah. the end of 14. Yeah. Um, and people forgot it even existed. And yet Israel is still here. It's still yeah. continued. Empires have risen and fallen. Yeah. They've been judged. And yet Israel continues to exist. And so it, it seems to the sight of the eyes, Assyria is the one that would last forever. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in fact... God's covenant people yeah. are those who will it's, it's interesting, um, John, we were talking, John, about how, it, you know, in, in the sort of mid-19th century, you know, there was a, a, the twin discoveries, you know, you had Darwin juxtaposed. Oh, yes, you've got the, 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 the find, was it the Gil, Gil, Gilgamesh epic, I think it is, okay. which was discovered uh, where they found cuneiform writing <coughs> and, and realised that writing had gone on for a considerable period in history when they didn't think they had the ability to write. And so, this, so up until that point, you're saying, yeah, they had literally been lost, like Nineveh, yes. completely lost, and then they discovered uh, absolute tangible evidence of yes. God's and existence. Uruk, I think it was, in, in Iraq. Okay. Uruk, I think that's where they, they found this, this thing. Yep. Um, they found so much in, in the libraries of the kings of Assyria. They found so much mm. stuff, because the kings used to, I think you said this last week, they used to, arrest all the 
all the tablets they found, and they built these great libraries. Yeah. Um, so there was a huge, a built yeah, a huge, library huge amount of archaeological evidence, yeah. mm. which is fascinating. But again, but but the the, the year that this I think 1843 or so I can't yeah. remember. But it was it's also the year that Darwin started on his Origin of the Species. Yeah. So Amazing. here you've got this great sort of juxtaposed one yeah. going one way towards God, yeah. the other going, going other. downhill away from God yes. mm. at the same time. Yes. God allows it. Yes. Mm. That's amazing how he allows it. He, allow, he allowed Satan, you know, he, he, so that his, um, he allowed Pharaoh. Yes. So that, you know, he would be proved, so that God would be proved through his disobedience. Yes. Through his rebe rebellious heart. It's profound, isn't it? I mean, we're still living in the shadow of Darwin, aren't we? So that, mm. if, if that's 1843. It's amazing how, how it's still, you know, in a modern world that really has discovered so much more mm. and in many ways debunked some of what Darwin proposed. He's still held up as the great yeah. icon yes. of our time. Yes. Quite amazing. University College London, there's the, you know, the great department of biology. It's an enormous building as you walk past from the University College Hospital. And there's just one blue plaque on the wall of what is a giant, giant wall. And, and it says, Charles Darwin <laughs> once lived in a house on this site. It's mm. like a shrine. Mm. And it is, it's sad because it's not allowing, it's, it's sort of closing down any discussion that's, that contradicts Darwin. Mm. Yes. That's the way I see it. I don't mind hear, hearing and learning about how, how these tyrants, you know, what their view is, but, to, but not to be able to. Mm. Uh, pre present the counter is, is, is literally darkness chasing you, I think. Yes, it is. Not it to be is. able to speak about the truth and the light. We're in the last minute. Bail me out, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, well, I should start reciting more poetry. Well, Darwin was essential, I mean, because the, many of the modern philosophies couldn't exist without exalting Darwin. Yeah. And many of the, you know, this, this stuff I don't think probably not allowed to talk about, but a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world today mm. can only exist riding on the back of Darwinism. Mm. So I, I'll finish with the final verse of chapter one. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. So it's like verse seven. We've got this other little wonderful punctuation of God's grace, of God's truth, his message in every generation. Praise the Lord. O Judah, keep your appointed feast. So it's a word to us. Don't give up. Keep, keep our acknowledgement of God. And for the wicked shall no more pass through you and be utterly cut off. There's hope. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week.